Uh, I know Christmas is Wednesday, but we're calling this uh, Christmas Sunday. So with me, uh, unwrap the gift this morning. I want to talk with you about the Lord Jesus, the gift of gifts that has entered into time and space and even into our lives today. So we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke first, chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. Luke 2, verses 8 to 12. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The next reading is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse, Luke chapter 23, it should be verse 50, I don't know how 38 got up there, but it should be verse 52. This is Joseph of Arimathea, after Jesus had been crucified and had been on the cross for hours It was needful that Christ be taken down from the cross. And the scripture says he had begged the body of Jesus and he took it down, that is the body, and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. And the last reading is in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. In verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his hand, or head rather, were many crowns, And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, that's the Lord Jesus, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness in wrath of Almighty God. In verse 16, And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh, that is, he has a garment wrapped around him, and a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word. I have something to say to you. Of all the births of people that have been ever born, can you think of anyone that has more notoriety than the Lord Jesus? 
Think of all the greats of humanity. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte. You could go through all of history and you might be able to cite various individuals that reached great heights of glory in this world. But tell me, which one of them, even religiously, the Mohammeds and the Buddhas and all of the various ones, which one could come close to the kind of acclaim that the Lord Jesus gets at His birth? He's called Emmanuel. That's a name given to Him, which means God with us. Jesus also means the Lord our Savior. He was born of a virgin. He was born a king. He was born and a star appears in the sky and brings in international people from the Far East to come and follow this star to see the real star. When they come before Him, they fall down and they worship Him. They recognize His deity and they open up their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There are angels that sing at His birth saying, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The heavenly hosts exclaim, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those upon whom His favor rests. What in the world are we talking about? What an individual that's going to get this kind of attention. Stars moving, magi coming from the Far East. He's worshipped. Gifts that are given only to royalty are laid out before a baby. A baby. No wonder there's a song that's titled, What Child Is This? You know, you that have had children... In those that have just recently had children, real recently, I'm sure you look at your child, Katie, and you say, I wonder what he's going to be like when he grows up. Huh, Nikki? What is that baby going to be like, Angela and Harrison? They can't imagine the future. But this child's future is already, so to speak, determined. This is something exceptional. This is something tremendously unique. And what's ironic about the whole thing is that this person is born in obscurity at the same time. He was born into a peasant home, very poor family, in a very obscure place of Bethlehem, which was a very small, very little known town called Bethlehem. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in a manger. There's no room for them in the inn. You would think that a person of this caliber would gain tremendous <coughs> opportunity of invitation in entering into the world. As this child grows up, we discover more about him. We don't know hardly anything about him from his birth till the age of 30 when he was baptized by John the Baptist at the age of 30 in the Jordan River. And at that moment, suddenly a dove descends from heaven and lights upon the shoulders of the Lord Jesus. The voice that comes down from heaven is the Father saying, This is my beloved Son. <coughs> Hear Him. This is obviously unique 
Nothing like this ever has been matched in history. They said of him, no one ever spoke like this man. They said he speaks with authority unlike anyone else. He was able to call God his personal father. Angels served him. (coughs) He calmed the winds and the waves. He walked on waters. He spoke the word. People were healed. He raised the dead. He gave sight to the blind. He fed 5,000, multiplying the, the fish in the loaves. He turned water into wine. He cast out demons. He cleansed the lepers. He even had his disciples go and fish. And on the line, he said, open the mouth of the fish and guess what? You're going to find a coin in the mouth of that fish. Use that to pay the taxes. What manner of man is this? When the disciples fished all night and caught nothing, he said to them, cast your net on the right side. They cast their net and they have an abundance of fish. One woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, uncontrolled blood, reached out and touched the hem of his garment and suddenly she was healed. She had spent all her living on physicians, had no healing, but she just with one touch reached out and felt the power of the Lord Jesus come from him and healed her instantly. He himself was able to say to people, your sins are forgiven you. (coughs) Wow. He arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. What child is this? The eternal one entered into time. The invisible became visible. Unlike you and I, our births, or our beginnings started in the womb of our mothers. It's been interesting lately. I have three children. I've told some of you uh, that have are going to have babies within four weeks of each other. We just discovered the other day that two of them are one day apart in when the baby is expected to be born. But in the meantime, the girls are getting their ultrasounds and getting to see some of these pictures is amazing. I said to my wife, I'd love to see what I looked like when I was in the womb. <laughs> well, I always said that little babies, when they're born, they look like aliens. I'm sorry, but uh, I've changed my attitude about that a little bit over the last few years, seeing so many cutie pies around and having a grandson of my own. I have sort of changed my attitude about those little ones that come forth from the womb. But it's an amazing thing, the miracle of birth. But our births or our beginnings began in the womb of our mothers, whereas Jesus' beginning had never a beginning. He was from eternity to eternity. He never had a beginning. He was pre-temporal, we would say. <coughs> he existed before the womb of Mary's. Amazingly, the Creator became a creature. The sinless one became a sin offering. The immortal one became mortal. The birth giver, the one that gives life, was born himself and received life. The omnipotent one became the dependent one. The omniscient one, the all-knowing one, becomes a learner in this world. The one that was omnipresent and everywhere is now spatial. He's localized. 
And I guess the best thing we could say of all is God became a man. You've probably heard me say it, but one of the early astronauts that landed on the womb was interviewed upon his arrival by the news reporters. And they, one of them said to him, what was it like to walk on the moon? And he described it. He said, but you know what's greater than that? It was great that a man walked on the moon, but far greater was that God walked on the earth. What a beautiful truth. <coughs> God incarnate took on flesh to dwell among us. But what does this mean for us today? We're 2,000 years beyond the, the, the birth of the Lord Jesus, and we're still celebrating it. I don't know if there's too many figures in human history whose birthdays are still celebrated over that many years. I might be wrong. There might be someone else I can't think of. But nevertheless, this birthday gets special attention every year. And it seems like, you know, I've been a Christian now, born again for 40 plus years. It seems like every year is a highlight. I get excited about it. Not that I deny or ignore his incarnation and, and his birth in my readings and in my meditations and in my thoughts. But when it comes to this time of the year and the, the reality, the, the, the focus is on the birth of Christ, it just is super special. It's super special. It's something we will never get over. In this person who Jesus had never had a body before. Yes, he had made various appearances in the Old Testament. We call them theophanies. But those were temporal appearances. Like a, It wasn't physical. I'm not denying that. But it was not incarnational like when Jesus himself was born. And he has that body for eternity. The body that he died in was the body that he rose in. That body that he died in is the body that he sits at the right hand of God. And when he comes again, he's going to come with that same body. And the marks of the cross are going to still be remnant on his body. And we're going to be able to muse on that and be able to realize over and over again, it was for me, yes, all for me, O love of God, so great, so free. What amazing love that Christ would die in the place of guilty sinners. It tells in the book of Psalm 69 that he was ready to die from his youth up. There might even be a hint. When, we, when the shepherds are told to how to identify this baby that was born in Bethlehem was two things. He was going to be in a manger... In a manger was probably a feeding trough in a stall. The inn that Jesus' family stopped in so that she could bear the child there was filled up with guests. Because there was a decree, an, an international decree that people had to go to their hometowns for the international census that was going to be taken of the population of the world. And that's why they find themselves in Bethlehem of Judah. The place obviously was packed. But you would think if the Son of God, the Christ of God, is going to be born in this place, that everybody would clear out. Say, sure, take my room. You, you, you're bringing 
you, 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 not only is she she's pregnant, that should be enough for them to sit, to give up a space for him. But I think this is an indicator to us of the kind of humility that God can have and is. He dwells with the humble and He Himself, even when He appeared to Moses, He appeared to Him in a burning bush. He loves to dwell with the lowly and He Himself was lowly. And He chose to have a humble birth. And placed in a manger, that was one thing, but wrapped in swaddling clothes. Do we wrap our babies in swaddling clothes anymore? I don't know. I'm sure I was. I bet you older people were. Why is that done? Several reasons. I'm sure mothers could give a better answer than I could. But I think it was customary to do that. But the word for clothes, the swaddling clothes, it's cloths that Jesus was wrapped in. Because that would be the norm for babies to be wrapped in that. But what it does do is it constricts the child. So it might not scratch its eyes so that it gives the child more comfortability and that it just came out of the womb where it was like this, it would have a similar feeling and adjusting to the time when it would be able to expand and open his arms and elbows and so on and so forth. Well, the Lord Jesus put himself in that kind of a state where he would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. So that was one way they were going to identify him. Now, when we read in Matthew, which is not the same setting as Luke, we nevertheless still find he's a young child. And he's still in, you could say, infant stages. And when they come, who are they coming for? They say, Herod, where is he that is what? Born king. Born king. Now, that right there set off an alarm. No one is born king. People become kings. But this person is special. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod was furious. A king? He's the king. I'm the king. What are you talking about someone born king? And I'm not going to go into all the details, but I just want us to be reminded that Jesus' kingship was highlighted at the very beginning. The very gifts that they gave, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, those were gifts for royalty. And that's what the Lord Jesus was receiving. And not just royalty, but it says they fell down and worshipped Him. Falling down and worshipping a baby? That should draw people's attention. That these people that travel thousands of miles, for months, following a star, finally locate the spot, they come and they fall down and they worship Him and they unload their treasures to Him. Wow. He's king at His birth. His identity was He would be wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. There were lots of other children that were born as well. Maybe the same day, maybe the same week, maybe the week before. There were lots that would be born, but none would be laying in a manger. That would be a very uncouth place for a baby to be placed and then wrapped in these swaddling cloths. <coughs> the next reading we have is in Luke chapter 23. 
When Joseph Arimathea, after Jesus had been crucified, his body was dead there on the cross. It was necessary that the body be removed and Joseph, a wealthy man, begged Pilate for the body. Now that body that was on the cross, crucified, nails through the hands or the wrist area here somewhere, and through the feet, his side was pierced through, his head was crowned with a crown of thorns. It says that he took him down and wrapped him in grave clothes. Shrouded him in cloths. It's the same word for swaddling cloth. I'm not saying that Jesus as a baby was wrapped in a, a burial cloth, but it was a cloth similar to the cloth that he was both buried with and also laid in the manger with. Now that body that was taken off the cross had been identified or given a title by Pilate. And what was the title? This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The King of the Jews. And it was written in three languages. So that the Greek world, the Latin world, and the Aramaic world would all have that title forever emblazoned on their minds and hearts. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They were irate that Pilate had written those words. It was an insult to the Jews that he would be classified as king of the Jews. And Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. It was almost beyond his capacity to be able to put those words there. But he was sort of divinely, unconsciously, so to speak, inspired to write those words that are forever left behind for us to recognize that the crucified one had the words, uh, the superscription above his head, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And let's unwrap the last wrapping. And that's in Revelation chapter 19. The Lord Jesus was robed. I'll use that he was wrapped in a garment. That garment was a bloody... It says dipped in blood. Dipped in blood. What does that remind you? A garment dipped in blood. Right? Joseph in the Old Testament. When the brothers tried to cover up the murder... Or I shouldn't say the murder. The, the, the selling of their brother to Egypt and trying to get rid of him. They pretended that he had been eaten by an animal. So they took his garment and they dipped his garment in blood of an animal and they presented it to the father who had made that garment specially for Joseph and said, this is the garment of your son who was obviously destroyed by an animal. And this is the blood. Bloody garment. That beautiful garment. Bloody. Well, the Lord Jesus is wearing a bloodied garment. And it says that on his robe was written the words in his thigh, the Word of God. Isn't that what it says that was written there? The Word of God. 
And it goes on to say, he has on his vesture, or that wrapping, or that cloth, if you will, and on his thigh a name written, what is written? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, he was king at his birth, he was the king at his death, and he'll be king when he returns again. When the blessed and only potentate returns, he's going to come in a fashion far different than the way in which he came the first time. He came lowly, he came disguised. People said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary? We grew up with him. Who is this child? There'll be no disputes when he comes back again. Because you know what the Bible says, that when he returns, that every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I ask you today, are you willing to crown Him as King of your life? Would you take this gift and unwrap it and put it beneath your tree as it were and put Him into your life, receiving Him as the Lord and Savior of your life? There could have been a thousand Different times Christ could have been born in Bethlehem. But it would be in vain until He has been born in you. Christ could have been born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but it would all be in vain unless He's been born in you for you personally. Someone says that regardless of whatever anyone may personally think about Jesus... He has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for 2,000 years. The dominant figure. If you go to a library, pretty much any library, college libraries particularly, I suppose, go to the Library of Congress, and under the category of Jesus, you will find multitudes and multitudes of volumes. You will hear His name everywhere across the world all the time in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a name above every name. You see, brothers and sisters and friends, the greater meaning of Christmas is not simply that Jesus was born, but rather that He's alive. Everyone else that has been born over 120 years ago has died. But this one was raised immortally. He is alive. He showed himself to be alive. To Thomas who doubted that he was risen from the dead. Finally had the one-on-one appearance of the Lord Jesus in his presence. And Thomas had seen Jesus turn the palms of his hands over to help him with his doubts, to have assurance. This is me. And his words that were uttered was, My Lord and my God. Are those hands being turned over in your presence? Those hands that were once wrapped in the swaddling clothes that seemed to be very helpless and innocent and needing dependence on others? Those hands were the ones that were stretched out on the cross. And those are the hands that are going to return again to bless many and say, Come ye blessed of my Father into the kingdom. 
prepared from you, for you from the foundation of the world. To others He will say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What's your answer to the unwrapping of the gift today? The king was born, the king was crucified, and the king of kings and the Lord of lords is coming back again. Don't you love the Lord Jesus? He's in my life. I've been born of the Spirit with life from above. Christ, by the power of the Spirit, has come into my life in a personal way. Our brother was describing about the years that he had spent as a phony, if I can put it that way, phony Frank, 30 years, saying Jesus on his lips, but the Lord was far from him. A church-going guy, a family man, but deep down, angry, irate, upset, miserable, internally, but externally, tried to smooth things over. Praise God that he was stripped of a false profession of faith. Stripped of being able to call himself a believer in Jesus because he could not have been the way he lived and the way he acted in the spirit that he manifested. Hallelujah. I praise God. I invited my brother to come because I think it's a story worth hearing. Because so many people might be good church-going people. And they'd be able to put on the facade that everything's okay. But internally they're a wreck. There's the anger, the bitterness. All of those spirits that come from, not from above, but from beneath the God of this world that controls the heart of the unconverted. But when one comes to Christ, when one is drawn by the Spirit, one can say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. I believe that the best life that anyone can live in this world is a life that's governed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords when He's reigning in your life. What a great time to consider Him. Unwrap the gift. See Him as the King that was born. See Him as the King that died. See Him as the King that's coming again. And be prepared for the Lord Jesus by receiving Him even now. How do you receive Him? What must I do to be saved? Someone asked the apostles. They didn't say, well, wait a minute, you've got to go to church X amount of time. You've got to go get water baptized first. You have to receive. Get, make your confession before some. No. Simply this. Believe on the Lord Jesus. And you'll be saved. That's the altar call today. The altar is being put before you. Christ crucified the King of kings. Do you believe that He died in your room instead? It paid the penalty for you? What a difference it would make. People say, I'm not the religious type. I get that. I wasn't really either. I love my worldly ways, but I have a far better world that I live in now. A joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. A peace that passes all understanding. It's difficult to explain to someone that hasn't experienced it. You come across a good feed, a good restaurant, or a good recipe, and you, you want others to enjoy what you have experienced. Well, that's how we feel, how I feel. I want to share this with you. I want to tell you about the man that died on the cross so that you can discover him. That you will unwrap that great gift of God's and say, it was for me that the Savior came into the world. 
As I said earlier, Christ could have been born a thousand times in Bethlehem. But it would be all in vain until He has been born in you. Now that doesn't mean that Christ's birth is ineffective for everybody because of you. It's ineffective for you personally. You have really discredited the purpose of the birth in life, in the death, in resurrection, in ascension, in the second coming of Christ. You have denied His Lordship, His, His Kingship. So my hope for you today is that as you heard this message, that you might be one that will unwrap the gift. The gift of God. That's what was in the manger. The gift of God. And we say, hallelujah, what a Savior. A baby to grow in this world, to learn of God the Father, in, uh, the, well, to tell us about God the Father, but to learn things about humanity and life in this world to, so that He could become a suitable, merciful, faithful high priest for us now who believe on the Lord. You want a friend who sticks closer than a brother? I know you've had friends desert you, leave you. Think about your life. I bet you have had some great, good friends that have... Where are they now? They turn sour. They turn their back on you. Maybe you turn your back on them. But He's one that will never leave you. He can be the King of your life and reign and rule over you. Brother Frank, God changed your heart. He can do the, the same thing for anyone else that may say, Jesus, Jesus, on their lips. But He's not crowned King. He's not placed on the center of the throne of your heart as the Lord of your life. That's all you have to do is cry out to Him and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to be a servant of yours. I want you to be the king of my life. I tell you, brothers and sisters and friends, there's nothing like the life of Christ in you. Can you say amen, somebody out there? Are we awake this morning, this Christmas week? Hallelujah. What a great salvation we have provided. Let's behold the one on the manger. Let's behold the one on the cross. And let's behold the one that's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Unwrap that gift. Receive Him today. And you'll have the treasures of God's great grace upon you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for Christmas. That is that Christ the Savior was born and hailed now as King of kings and Lord of lords. Who, Lord, would have recognized that babe was going to be who he became and who he was. We, Lord, this morning take off the shoes of our feet. We salute you, Lord. We take our hats off. We give you praise. We unload our treasures before you, Lord, because we have unwrapped that gift and we have seen him for who he is and we give you praise, worship and thanksgiving, O God, for the Lord Jesus' birth today at this time of year. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your humility, your lowliness. You're leaving the ivory palaces, the place where you would receive the honor and glory that was due to your name. And you came into the world where you were despised, rejected of men, acquainted with grief. And yet, Lord Jesus, you endured it all so that you could become a Savior for sinners like us here this morning. And Lord, if anybody doesn't know Jesus personally, May you touch their hearts by the Spirit and give them a conviction that they would own you, Lord Jesus, that they would turn their life to you, that they would repent and obey the gospel. 
and truly unwrap the gift and discover who He truly is. Lord, have mercy, we pray. Bless this day. Bless this week. Bless our families, our loved ones. Give us safe travels through the week, Lord, as we gather with families and friends. And Lord, may we most of all give you the praise and thanks for the greatest of all the gifts that have been given, the Lord Jesus. In his precious name, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. <coughs>